Let's turn tonight to Mark chapter 16 and Luke chapter 24. Mark 16, Luke 24, and then Acts chapter 1. All three. I won't ask you to stand while we read all these. I want to bring a message tonight entitled, We Cannot Forget Our Mission. Before I get into the passage and um, the message, I just want to say, you know, we all... Uh, here tonight are aware that we're in fact living in the last days of the last days. Um, Concerning what the Word of God has to say about the last days, we can easily see that we are at that point in time. Uh, Things are escalating and moving at a rapid pace toward the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have to say that I've been saddened in the last year or two by what I see concerning the people of God losing sight of the mission Christ gave us to continue the mission that we are supposed to be doing until he comes back. Uh, We are getting distracted, even in uh, Baptist churches, uh, from the pulpit to uh, the members on exactly what it is that we are to be focused on. And it's because current events and an infatuation with the nation of Israel have caused many to forget what the word of God has to say concerning Israel and concerning us and the church and what our job is in the church. Um, I want to review tonight some of the things that Christ told us as a refresher going into this new year. This year is wrapping up, and as we uh, look at going into the new year, it is important that we have a proper perspective on how we should be as Christians, what our attitude should be as Christians, and what our desire is as Christians. Oh. Um, We do not really know what is ahead of us, do we? How many in 2019 knew that COVID was going to happen? Regardless of what you feel about COVID, did it not affect our world? Did it not change how things are done? Did it not really increase the speed with with which uh, governments can control people? And it was a catalyst in that regard, if nothing else. And then we wake up one day and we realize, oh, Russia has invaded Ukraine. And then that started a whole trickle-down process. And then um, we wake up one day, or in the middle of the day, late in the day, and we realize that Hamas has gone in and killed 1,300 people and carried a bunch away captive. And since then, 20,000 Palestinians have been killed, and there's a war going on over there. And the whole Middle East is just a powder keg waiting to blow up. Uh, China is threatening to go after Taiwan and a lot of different things. And uh, North Korea is still testing missiles like they've been doing for a long time. But in the last days, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. And there's going to be pestilence. And there's going to be this and there's going to be that. We cannot get distracted from the mission at hand. The mission, the point of my message tonight is the mission has not changed one bit since the Lord Jesus Christ gave us the Great Commission before he ascended back into heaven. And that was to preach the gospel to every creature. That's our job. Our job is not to get preoccupied with the politics and what is going on in the world. And so we need direction from the word of God in a constantly shifting world. And so let's get focused back on what it is that we are supposed to be doing. Uh, Mark chapter 16 and verse 14 says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and he upbraided them with, uh, with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because 
They believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, go, this is the, to the apostles that he was speaking. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Notice to who it's to. To every creature. Yes. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And then turn over to Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. What I really wanted us to notice there was go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Jew, Hindu, Islam, uh, no matter what religious background people have, no matter what culture people have, no matter, no matter how backward some tribe is off somewhere, our goal in our mission is to preach the gospel to every creature. And in order to preach the gospel properly to every creature, you have to care about every creature. You need to have love for the lost. The gospel message as it's preached will be of, not God can use us in spite of ourselves, but it needs to be done in love because we care about people regardless of what society and culture they are in. Now, Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And then notice this, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among who? Among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And now let's turn over to Acts chapter 1. This is the same commission, the, the directive, the, the instruction, the command for us and them. It was the same, but it's said in different ways. And we see kind of a fuller picture of exactly what it is that he was saying. And of course, we're all familiar with uh, what was given in Matthew uh, chapter 28 as well. But let's look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Because this really leads us into more of the perspective and the viewpoint that the people that, to whom he was giving it, their worldview and their viewpoint and what they were expecting and how he was redirecting their focus. And our focus needs to get redirected just like theirs did. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days. And speaking of things concern, pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 
And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. That was 2,000 years ago. It's safe to say that we are much closer to the time when he, in which he is going to come back in like manner as he went up into heaven. Uh, we see in this passage that it says he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom of God. This is what he was talking to them about. And yet they asked this question. Will you now return the nation to Israel? Will you now? Um, see, they were under the circumstances that they were in were distracting them from everything that he had been talking to them about. He's talking to them about the kingdom of God. They had forgotten what he had told them in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew 24, he tells them, this is how things are going to be in the last days. There's going to be earthquakes, and there's going to be tribulation, and there's going to be this. And, but they're like, Lord, at this time, is this, is this when you're going to do it? See, they at that time were under the heavy hand of the, Israel was under the heavy hand of the Roman, of the Roman government. It affected their everyday life. It affected literally every aspect of their life was affected by the fact that the nation was not restored. The nation of Israel was um, impacted and run and controlled by Gentile interests. And they were, just, uh, they were just pawns. They were heavily taxed and so forth. Everywhere they went, they saw Roman soldiers. And uh, they wanted the nation. We want our nation back. Were they wrong for wanting their nation back? Absolutely not. It was correct and right for them to want their nation to be. It's promised in the Old Testament. They were not wrong in knowing and believing that Jesus was the Messiah who would, would rule Israel one day. The question here is just, it's a timing question. At this time, are you going to restore the nation? And he had to tell them, not at this time. I will, but not at this time. That's what he's saying here. But they were distracted with what the real mission is, and, they, and the, their concern about the nation of Israel was taking them away from their mission and their concern for the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God right now is of way more importance than the nation of Israel. I'm saying today that's the case, as it was in his day. They're saying basically, Lord, now that you have secured our salvation, I mean, you, you died for our sins, you were buried, you rose from the dead, you're victorious, and we're victorious in you, and, uh, oh, and now, now is the time, isn't it, Lord? At this time, are you going to restore the nation? And he has to tell them, no, I'm not going to, but it makes sense to a certain degree. But the thing is, is that, as I already mentioned, they were forgetting so much of what he had already told them in Matthew concerning end times. Just as he had, they forgot that he had told them that he would die and that he would rise the third day. 
Remember what happened when he died? They panicked. When Jesus died, they panicked. They forgot, but in, during Jesus' life, he had told them on more than one occasion, I'm going to die, but I'm also going to rise from the dead. As Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so will the Son of Man. It'd be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And, and so um, they forgot, and we forget. Yes. We forget what the mission, what the task is at hand. We forget what's most important. And so just as he had told them, he would leave. Jesus had told them, they're asking, at this time, will you restore the nation? But Jesus had told them in John chapter 14, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave you. But when I leave, I will send a comforter. And when I send the comforter, he will show you all things. And he will call to your remembrance and so forth. But Jesus had told them, I'm going to leave. But when I do, I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost. But they had forgotten. Wait. No, it can't be. They didn't reason in their mind. He can't be restoring the nation at this time because he's gonna, he said he was going to leave. And so they forgot. Oh, and so Jesus had told them how they were going to be hated as he is hated. And that they were going to be persecuted by the scribes and the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders. And they're going to take you up and put you on trial and you're going to be falsely uh, um, accused. And, and Jesus had told Peter how it was that he was going to die an early death for him. And, uh, um, and John, how that John would not die an early death. Like, what is it to you? Um, and so they, they were forgetting the, 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 what he had told them. If Jesus was going to be the king of Israel, and he was going to restore the nation of Israel at that time, there's no way that they would be persecuted. Because Jesus, it, it would be law and order according to Jesus. So they forgot everything that Jesus had told them. This is what's going to happen. And we fall into the same trap. Just like they forgot what God's word said and what Jesus had said, so we get distracted from the mission at hand. And we get distracted with what is going on with Israel and with the rest of the world and with current events. And when we get distracted, this distraction that I've been seeing it affects how people view what should be done and how things should be handled and what Israel should do. And, and just this completely, really, unchristian view of how I've heard statements uh, not just here, here, you know, several times over the years, and, but especially since things have gotten ramped up about what Israel should do. Well, Israel, you know, they just need to, they just need to turn the Middle East into a sea of glass. You know, they just need to, uh, I mean, I've heard all kinds of crazy things about what they should do to just wipe them out. Just wipe out the opposition and so forth. But the reality is, is um, that, has, that has absolutely nothing to do with what we would find in the Word of God about that. Does that sound like what Jesus just said, how we should be about our desire should be for lost souls and going to every creature. And if we're praying for things to happen in the Middle East right now, what we should be doing is praying that God would send missionaries. That these poor lost people, when you see Palestinians and kids in the street, like I was watching a video the other day, and I mean, when you actually see what's going on, it is heartbreaking. When you see, I was watching, there was like four boys. They're just stumbling and wandering around in the streets. They're like this big. And, um, and they're crying. One of them is just crying outright. But they're stumbling and wandering around. And they're next to all this 
uh, bombed out destruction and everything. And regardless of what political side is on, that should hurt you. It should bother you when you see that. And um, regardless of who's right and which side's right and which side's wrong, you should not desire that men, women, and children just be wiped off at the face of the planet because the people who are in control in the government in that for that particular government, you don't like that government. Just like in every government, listen, I'm going to go down a little rabbit hole, but just like in every aspect of history and every government there's ever been, there has never been 100% of the population that is in agreement with the government that's in control. Even in Nazi Germany, it, is, it would be stupid to assume that even the majority of the population of Germany was on board with what was going on. The reality is, is in many governments, the few control the many. Yeah. And in Palestine right now, the few control the many. There are a lot of people in that, in that place that are scared to death, and they don't approve of what's going on. And their, their leadership just changes and revolves. Remember when it used to be the PLO and Arafat was running things? And then, it, you know, this has been going on for a long time, but here's the, here's the bottom line. They're just people. And people need the gospel. Yes. That's what people need. The Jews need the gospel. The Palestinians need the gospel. The Iraqis need the gospel. And Americans need the gospel. Yes, and so I want us to consider tonight of what ethnicity or nation were those to whom he gave the gospel commission. They were Hebrews. They were Jews of the nation of Israel. To whom was the gospel to go? To everyone, both Jew and Gentile, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost part of the earth. Everyone, everyone, or just some of everyone? Everyone, everyone. That's who the gospel's supposed to go to right now. In heaven, whether we like it or not, there are going to be saints from every tribe, every nation, yes. every tongue, and every kindred. That's Bible. How does that happen? It only happens if people care enough to go to those people. People need the gospel. And it says in this passage that one of the passages that read, go to the uttermost part of the earth. So who was initially used to go to the Gentiles? The Jews. Did the Jews like the Romans? No, they didn't like them. They wanted their nation restored. They did not like the Romans. Did the Jews like the Syrians? No, they did not like the Syrians. Historically, the Syrians had done absolutely horrible things to the Jews throughout the years. Um, did, the, did the Jews like uh, the Egyptians? What's the historical relationship between Egypt and, and Israel? No, there wasn't much love there. In fact, who did the Jews like? Nobody. The Jews thought everybody was dogs. Did, what, what about the Samaritans? You know, in their mind, what about those half-breeds over there? Those people in Samaria? Oh, they, they really didn't like them. Yeah, that's right. The people of Samaria were living in a situation which is similar to Gaza and the West Bank. There literally was a section of Israel, and we know this from John chapter 4, when Jesus dealt with the woman of Samaria. And the Jews hated them so much that they would go around Samaria to go down to the... They would go around Samaria. They wouldn't go through there, and they didn't do trade with them, and so forth. 
It's just like the, it was the same situation back then. Ethnic division and hatred. And this is the way of the world. And, oh, and so, but where did Jesus tell them? In Acts chapter 1, he didn't just say, go into all the world. He broke it down very specifically. He said, you're going to start in Jerusalem. And then you're going to go into Judea. And then you're going to go into Samaria. Remember what the disciples' opinion was, what they thought about Jesus when he went into Samaria and he was sitting with the woman of the well and was like, what is he doing talking to this woman? Do you think the apostles cared when, they, when Jesus sent them into the town of Samaria while he sat at the well and he had them go get food? Um, do you think the disciples were real happy with having to go in there and having to walk into the grocery store and buy some bread and bring it back? They hated the Samaritans, the people of Samaria. And Jesus is telling them, go to Samaria and preach the gospel. And go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel. And so, in order to go to the Gentiles, this is my point, in order to go to the Gentiles, a major change had to take place in their own hearts and minds. They're, consumed, they're concerned with the nation of Israel. At this time, are you going to restore the nation of Israel? And he's saying... Don't worry about the nation of Israel right now. That'll, that's only for the Father to know uh, the time of that. Uh, you need to go out and you need to go reach yes. these Gentiles. Yes. What? What? No. I mean, but they did. Yep. They were obedient. to, And they did what they were told to do. But there was some, the Lord had to work on them. And there was a process, was there not? Was there not a, a growth process in the early church getting these same men yes. to actually grasp the concept that God can't actually even save a Gentile? Remember the wonder and amazement when Peter dealt with Cornelius and he went back to the church and he told them, even the Gentiles can be filled with the Holy Ghost and God can even save them. And so um, a major change had to take place. Paul said, Paul was a, a former Pharisee. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. And he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And he said this in Romans 1. I know you know this verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. In Acts chapter 17, this same former Pharisee said this. That God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. He was preaching this in Athens on Mars Hill. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. And so he's, he, he says, God has made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And then in verse 30, he continues, God now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because there is appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he has raised him from the dead. See, during the age in which we are living in, and has been for the last 2,000 years, there is not, I don't care if it's in the Middle East, I don't care if it's in the Philippines or in China or in America. There is not one group of people that God has kicked to the curb and said, I'll save everybody but that one. And you might be thinking, well, what about the passage in Romans that quotes Malachi that says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. 
the descendants of Esau, uh, that's not the people that are over there right now. The Edomites, they ceased to exist 400 years before Christ ever came. And so um, the wonderful thing and the contrast between Jacob, Israel, Jacob, and Esau is that when Israel came out of captivity, God allowed the temple to be rebuilt, the walls to be built around Jerusalem. But if we go to Malachi, go, go ahead and go to Malachi. Malachi, this is just off the notes or outside my notes, but go to Malachi. I think there's some confusion here uh, among Christians and how they view events in the Middle East and who certain people are and, and so forth. And um, um, I'll get there here. This is why I print everything. Here we go. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Verse 1 of chapter 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. And this is to Israel. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob. And I hated Esau. And laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, we are impoverished, but we will return. These are the descendants of Esau. We are going to return and we will build desolate, the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. They shall call, and they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and you shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. One of the wonderful things about the promises of God is he keeps his promises, and his promise was to Israel, not to Edom. And they were not rebuilt. They were destroyed. And Israel in spite of everything that has happened to them, they're still here. Yeah. And, and, and they're going to be here. And the Lord is going to save His people. But things are not going to work out like I think a lot of people think they might. Um, it's sad, but the reality is, is that they are going to go through some horrible times. The nation of Israel at this, yes, at this right. time, they hate Jesus as much as Islam. <laughs> they do. They hate Jesus. And um, they don't want to have anything to do with, with uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're like, well, but they have the same God of the, they have the same God we do, you know. They have the same God of the, the Old Testament and everything. Listen, if you, I don't care, if you do not have Jesus Christ, you do not have God. Right, yes. yes. And that was, the whole, that was the whole problem. Remember the passage last week that I was preaching from about when Jesus told the Pharisees, you're of your father the devil? Well, but they were Jews. Did you know that the, the same, the main uh, Jewish aspect of the Jewish religion, their, their main uh, uh, belief system of Judaism is the teachings of the Pharisees. The Sadducees don't exist anymore. It's the, the Pharisees. And, and that's their system. They still, that's what they believe in is what Jesus was fighting against when he was here. But he, and then they are going to follow after the Antichrist. They're going to accept a false Messiah because they hate Jesus so much that when they see a chance to believe in a Messiah who's going to solve all their problems, they're going to follow after him. And then the Antichrist is going to turn on them. And so no matter what, 
There is not anything that you or I can come up with as a good solution for, you know, this is what Israel needs to do. I don't really concern myself too much with what Israel should do because Israel is going to fail miserably regardless of what they do because they have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a time coming that's called Jacob's trouble, but God is going to come and God is going to keep his promises. And uh, um, the Lord loves his people and he does have a remnant among them, even of safe people. And we'll get into that in, in just a little bit. But we need to be careful that we are not getting too distracted. Oh, remember what, uh, I'll just quote this, when, when Peter was giving his account, I'll get back to my notes here, when Peter was giving his account concerning, I'm talking about how they had to change their view um, on how they viewed people, uh, when he was giving his account concern in the, concerning the salvation of Cornelius, who was the Roman officer that I referred to a moment ago, uh, he gives this statement to the church in Jerusalem, and he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an awful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come into one of another nation. But God, but then he says this, but God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Peter had to learn a lesson. And guess what? We should have that same mindset. God hath showed me that I should call no man common or unclean. There is not a person alive that the Lord is not capable of loving and saving. It doesn't matter. There is not one man that I should call common or unclean. That's Bible. We need to get our heads wrapped around what the Word of God has to say and get our own personal biases out of the way. I want to give us just a review a brief review of church history. I think sometimes we forget what great things God has done in the past in his church. Just by the natural spread of the gospel, what nations and groups of people made up the earliest and greatest churches of all time? They were primarily those nations that historically hated the Jews more than anyone. Remember, the Jews hated them, and they hated the Jews. <laughs> oh, in North Africa, Egypt early on, there was some heresies that came out of Egypt later, but the only reason that there were churches there that fell away is because at one time there were great churches in Egypt. Um, in Egypt, in Ethiopia, in Somalia, and even the Arabian Peninsula, there were great churches. The churches standing the strongest between 300 and 700 AD were in what is today Tunisia, North Africa in the city of Carthage was the epicenter of what became known as the Donatists. And the Donatists were people who believed basic Baptist doctrine and held to the truth, and they were persecuted strongly. Oh, but that was, that was North Africa. We're talking areas like Tunisia and Libya. It, I mean, it's hard for us to conceive because Islam came in and took over those places. But these were the strong places where people stood for the truth and died for the truth was in Africa. And it went on down south, um, south deeper into Africa. It's hard for us to know exactly how far the gospel went. Um, and then in Arabia, there was a strong Christian presence in the Arabian Peninsula from places like Yemen and Bahrain and places like that. We have to remember Muhammad did not even live until the late 500s dying in 632. 
So the, the religion of Islam, it was not a thing. It had no impact, no influence on the people of Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and what you think of traditionally as, as oh, where that religion came from. And uh, Christianity was strong down there uh, for a very long time. Oh, and it's like, but, but I thought that, that's the Ishmaelites, right? I mean, aren't the Ishmaelites the ones that... The God, saved, God saved the descendants of Ishmael? Yeah, he did. There were really strong churches among those people. And there were churches that went over into what we call Iraq and Jordan and all the way over uh, bordering into um, India in the early church. There are traces of, of God's people going pushing that way. In the Word of God, we have a, a, a historical account of how they pushed into Europe. But the gospel also went across going, um, going the other direction. And so it went into Samaria, the region that I already touched on, um, where the Jews didn't even want to walk through. That's one of the first places they went. This is where Philip the Evangelist right. went, and many people believed, and, uh, and churches were established. It became a, a hotbed of Christianity. It became the Bible belt, if you will, of the nation of Israel, and it was in Samaria of all places. Imagine that. And then in Syria, we all know so much about Antioch, but do you ever stop to think about, see, we think of Syria today as what's going on in Syria today and the civil war and, and Islam and ISIS and, and, of course, Lebanon. You know, that's where Hezbollah is, so God couldn't have ever had, had anything to do with those people. It, listen, the strongest place is Antioch where the gospel, Paul and Barnabas were sent out of Antioch. That was Syria. And so the church was strong in Syria. But how, how could God save and love people from a nation like Syria? Oh, uh, after all, I mean, if you're in the Old Testament in Syria, that's where Hezael came from. Hezael. Just read what he came down and he did during the time of Elisha and um, Ben-Hadad and those guys. I mean, these were horrible, brutal people that came down and did horrible things to Israel. And the Jews had to turn around and go up into Syria and preach the gospel to those people. And this is where the churches were the strongest. So when you look at people around this world, we need to stop looking at them through our secular eyes. And God can do anything with any kind of group, with any kind of ethnicity. And he has done it historically. Lebanon, the place between Israel and Syria, would have been saturated with the gospel. By way of conclusion here, just on the history notes, oh, by the year 300, Christianity had expanded to every ethnicity in the known world, while at the same time, the nation of Israel was destroyed. The nation of Israel was destroyed. And the early church, and most of the leaders of the early church at that time were Jews, the apostles. I know that it grieved the heart of Paul. I know it did, based on his writings, to see what was going on in his own nation. After Christ, came, after Christ ascended and the church was established, the, the nation of Israel just continued its downward slide. They were trying to pick themselves up by their own bootstraps like they're doing right now. They weren't under the direction of God. And they were going to read... They were gonna, uh, reject the, the Roman Empire. They were going to reestablish the nation of Israel, and they had what were called zealots. And, oh, 
And they basically self-destructed. If they would have just maintained and kept their cool, they would have existed. But they rejected Christ. Then they rejected the government that was over them. And they literally self-destructed. And it was all a fulfillment of prophecy. But that place was absolutely leveled. And yet, these men, and this is what I want us to focus on, is we need to keep our focus like they kept their focus. The nation of Israel was destroyed. And when Paul wrote to the Romans... And he told them, it was about 15 years before the nation of Israel was just absolutely wiped out. There was 1.5 million Jews killed during that time. And the temple was completely destroyed. Everything in the temple was uh, value was hauled off to the Roman Empire. And they paraded it through the streets in Rome. Which is where so many of the Christians were. And they were being persecuted. And it's where... Um, Paul had been, and, and so forth. And what a grief, how sad it must have been for the Christians and the Christian Jews at that time to see what was going on. Yes. And yet, they didn't let that deter them because they knew that at this time, right now, and Paul writes about it. Mm. He writes about it to the Romans. But right now, it's about the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. It's about the church. It's about the gospel. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about the nation of Israel. God's going to deal with the nation of Israel when the Father knows that time. What Jesus told them at this time, it's not going to happen. It's still future. And guess what? Today, it's still future. Don't let what's going on right now get you distracted. It's still future. God is going to fulfill His promise. But just like they maintained their focus during the Roman Empire, during the absolute destruction of Israel, if Israel ended up getting run over militarily right now, it wouldn't affect me one bit as to how much I believe God is still going to deal with them. And so it's about the gospel. It's about the church. And I'm glad, you know, I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom of God. And I'm glad to be part of the church because nations come and go. You know, politics and philosophies and economic ideas and all these things, they all come and go. But the gospel has never changed. The word of God has never changed. And God promised the perpetuity of the church. The church is going to be here till he comes back. And that's what I want to sink my teeth into. But we need to do what we do in a proper way. I just want to deal real briefly with this term, the fullness of the Gentiles. Turn over to Romans chapter 11. I'm just going to look at this passage real briefly. I'm not going to try to get into it too much. But as we conclude, I want us to... I'll just say what my conclusion is right now. What it talks about in this passage concerning the fullness of the Gentiles, it hasn't happened yet. This is still the time of the Gentiles. Yes. And so this is the, what we would call the church age. God will keep his promise, but we are in the same age as the apostles were when they were given the Great Commission. Nothing has changed. The, the Great Commission was given while the nation of Israel still existed. And then it was destroyed, and all this time has gone by, and now the nation of Israel is a nation again, and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed concerning our mission. It's the same exact mission. We just keep on on going. Romans chapter 11, verse 1 says, I say then, and remember, he's writing to the Romans. He says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. That's wonderful. God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Oh. Oh. 
trying to look. Go, go down to verse 5. I have some notes here that I'm going to skip. Oh, even so, in verse 5, even so at this present time, there is also a remnant according to the election of grace. Even though the Jews were the primary source of persecution of Paul in the early church, Jews were saved in nearly every town he went. But the, ma- the vast majority, incre- and increasingly so, it was Gentiles who were being saved. And then go down to verse 23. We have to skip over a lot of stuff, but in verse 23. And they, they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. Speaking of the Jews. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree which was wild by nature, and wert grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in our own conceits. We need to be careful that we don't become wise in our own deceits, us Gentiles. But he, he says that blindness in part, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so at some future point, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer. Listen, it doesn't matter what Israel does right now. They need a deliverer, and there's none to deliver them. And there won't be anybody to deliver them until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And he is coming, and uh, oh, but there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. See, it's not about a national thing. It's not about them being a great political nation. It is about the actual people of Israel trusting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's always been and it always will be about the forgiveness of sins. The issue that all men have is a sin problem. And he says, here's what's so wonderful is that when they see Jesus at that time, they will believe on him as not just their political ruler, but they're going to believe on him as the one who can take away their sins. And they will place their trust and faith in that one, that deliverer that comes out of Zion. It's a sin problem that people have. And so notice this, it says, but right now, Concerning the gospel, the Jews are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. What that means is that what God has promised in the past concerning Israel, He doesn't renege on it. The gifts and calling concerning salvation and the promises of God, He doesn't renege on that. He doesn't go back on it. It's without repentance. That's what it's talking about. He is going to do what he said he is going to do. For as in time past, you did not believe God. You have not believed God. It's just like it happened for the Gentiles. In time past, you didn't believe in God. And during this age, the Jews don't believe in God. But there's coming a time in which they will. And he says, in time past, uh, you in time past believe not God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so, have these also not believed that through your mercy they may have uh, obtained mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. This is not an easy passage to understand, but the main gist that I want to get out of it is that God is going to fulfill his promises. Amen. But it's not going to take place how we think it should take place. Or 
what Israel does militarily or how they treat the people who are around them. There is nothing that they can do that is going to prevent the judgment of God coming against that nation. But he will save them. He will keep his promises. And the most beautiful promise that he's keeping is that he is going to forgive them of their sins. And this is the message that all of the world needs to have. So is the fullness of the Gentiles come in? No. We're still, we're still living in the time of the Gentiles. We're still living in the church age. And so we shouldn't change a bit. We shouldn't change anything about what we've been doing. We shouldn't change anything about how we've been viewing people. We shouldn't change anything about our love for the lost. We don't let current events and politics and everything change how we treat other people. People need the gospel. So how do I feel? I feel... You should feel this way. I can rest easy at night knowing that we are fulfilling the will of God if the preaching of the gospel is our primary concern. If the preaching of the gospel and if you sharing the gospel with your neighbor, if you loving your enemies and blessing them that curse you is your primary purpose so that they might have opportunity to hear the gospel, you can rest easy at night knowing I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. He put you here on this earth to be a witness. And, to, and so uh, when we support the work of the church and the spread of the gospel, we can know it is money well spent. We don't have to worry about whether or not, man, I don't know if I should have given that much. But you know what? If you give to some cause, some parachurch organization, or some, some uh, charitable group you saw on Fox News that's supporting Israel right now, I don't know if that's money well spent. I think I might actually be just throwing my money away because uh, their future isn't too bright right now. But if I put my time and energy and money and whatever it is that I can, my time, I put it into the church and the furtherance of the gospel and fulfilling the Great Commission, I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. And if I care about lost people and I care about souls, I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm going to rest easy at night. We must continue on till our last breath when the Lord calls us home, carrying out the task He gave us to do. And the task He gave us to do is found in the passages that we began. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature.